July 19th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betzah on Daf Lamed Gimal Amud Bet. If you count from the top of the Amud down, it's 16 lines down, right in the middle of the line where it says, Matkifla Rav Ahabar Yaakov. If you recall, the context of the Gemara is we developed and set forth in order to defend Rav Yehuda and then to explain Beraitot that there's a distinction when it comes to Shabbat, when it comes to Yom Tov rather, um, with regards to uh, being kotim, when it comes to uh, breaking off a branch uh, in order to smell from it. Now in order to smell from a branch there shouldn't be an issue. It's a branch which is already detached from the ground, so there's not a melaka per se of koser. Um, what sort of issue could you have of snapping or breaking a branch when it's off of the ground? Well, the only issue that you would have, as the Gemara seems to tell us, is makebe patish. If you're purposefully doing so in order to fix that branch or that piece of wood and make it useful for something else, uh, that's a melacha. It's a melacha from the Torah if you were to do so. Now, the issue that we were dealing with in our Gemara is you have no such intent. You saw a branch, it looks like, or you know, it has a pleasant odor to it, and you're interest in breaking it is to get that fragrance. Well, there's no melacha per se over there. Uh, the suggestion of the Gemara for Rav Yehuda, and furthermore, from the Beraitot again, is to distinguish between doing so to a hard, um, uh, a solid piece of wood, as opposed to something that's more flimsy and more soft. Why would you distinguish? Well, when it comes to something that's soft, even if you were to, so to speak, chisel it and turn it into a toothpick, that's not considered from the Torah a melacha of makebe patish. If you're taking something that's light or, or soft in that respect, that's not, that was his statement at the top of the Amud. We only talk about when it comes to something that's not ma'achal behema, not edible for an animal, meaning something that's hard, uh, the idea of it being makebe patish. If alternatively, again, it is hard, so uh, make up whatever plant it is that you have in mind, cinnamon or something of that sort, and you're snapping in order to bring forth the odor, that's where, rabbinically speaking, we say you cannot and should not be doing so even for the smell. Why not? There's a gezerah. The rabbis have a restriction. What's the restriction? If I allow, if they allow, if the rabbis allow for us to break it off in order to smell from it, you and I might lose the distinction and in turn break it in order to fix it. That's what we left off in the Gemara. Now the Gemara's challenge in the final lines that we learned yesterday went as follows. We'll read it inside right after we repeat it. It goes like this. Are you really certain? that in this sort of circumstance, again, I'm doing an action for the express purpose of not fixing this utensil. I have no interest in this utensil, in this vessel of sorts. I have an interest in what it's going to give me. What am I talking about over here? The smell. In the other case, the Mishnah Masechet Shabbat, I'm breaking the top of a barrel off in order to get the food inside of it, the gero gerot, the, uh, the dried figs inside of it. Over there, the Mishnah is explicit. I can break off the top. Wait a second, you're breaking off the top of a barrel, you're creating a vessel, you're finishing the utensil. No, it's not a problem because my express purpose is just to get the food inside. I'm not really creating a barrel. Oh, you see, the rabbis don't make a gazette over there. There's no restriction. If we allow for you to break the vessel, the, the barrel, in order to get the food, we might then uh, have you lose track of what's permitted, what's not, and you'll break the barrel in order to turn it into a final barrel that's usable. You see that we don't make such a gezerah. That's what we left off on yesterday. Read it together in the Gemara. Again, 16 lines from the top. Matkifla Rava Habar Yaakov. 
Bekashin, and the word kashe, again, of course, means it's strong. When I'm dealing with the besamim items that are strong, not hadasim, something along the lines of cinnamon or reeds that are going to give me good smell, amailo, why is it forbidden? Why is it asur to break it, to be kotem, in order to smell it? Maishena, how is it different? To be shone, of course, means to be different. Mehaditnan, from this which we learned in the Mishnah, again, that we mentioned from Masech, you're severing, you're slicing off the top of a barrel. Uh, what does that mean, you're slicing off the top of the barrel? The barrel had some sort of cement or mud covering. You're taking a knife, you're taking some utensil in order to break that off, make the food accessible, but by so doing, you're, so to speak, finishing the utensil. Says the Mishnah, Provided that, your intention, your purpose is to get to the dried figs inside of it. However, it's important, it's necessary. Says the Mishnah over there, your intention is not to create a utensil. Well, you see, the rabbis didn't make a restriction. They allowed, even though by so doing, by bake, breaking it open, you're creating a vessel, you are bringing forth a utensil, nonetheless, it's permitted, provided that your interest is for the food. Again, I mentioned this briefly yesterday, and I'm not going to fully flesh it out today, it's dependent on the final line of our Gemara, this is, this Gemara, ironically, is the foundation of the conversation with regards to soda cans on Shabbat. Imagine what you're doing in a soda can. A soda can, assuming, is crafted similar to the barrel. It's finished, and it needs to be opened in order to be usable. In such a circumstance, my intention is to drink the Coke, is to drink whatever soda is inside of it, whatever seltzer is inside of it. Um, but by so doing, but I'm finishing. Well, again, you're gonna. I got you. You're gonna have to explain to me how it's different than the barrel, where the understanding is the barrel was storing something, and I'm okay. So then it's in both a keli already. You know, so what? For food or drink? What's the difference? You know, I understand. What I'm saying is the fact that was. What's that? In the in the can. Uh, I don't know. First and foremost, because you and I live in a and I okay. So let's let's leave uh, soda cans aside. Let's leave for a moment soda cans aside. Let's talk about uh, beans. And I imagine um, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm uh, being done the wrong way. I imagine your home you don't use neither do in mine uh, cans that were for beans again afterwards. But. My cousins in Israel was just there, not my sisters, but my cousins. They then filled them up with things. I don't know. That's, that's, thank God, very nice financial. That's, that's the derech hayim. Is that an issue then on Shabbat for them to open it up? Now again, you might and should be pointing to this Mishnah. Question is, the conclusion of our Gemara is this Mishnah relevant in all circumstances? Again, their intention, even if, and me and you as well, is not to bring forth that final can which can be used. Um, but ultimately speaking, I am creating that can. I am, uh, as our Gemara says, there might be a problem. The Mishnah Masechet Shabbat says there's not a problem. That's what I'm saying. This comes into... I, I suppose so, but what I'm saying is you're crea- the only reason I needed to talk about it like that is because I understand Jared will say to me, you open the can, you're ruining the item. I'm saying it's not so fast for me and you, you're ruining it. In theory, and especially in the usage, people do reuse. Maybe they don't reuse. 
Mason jars, Fanta uh, mason jars, no, pretty good. That's right, mason jars, you didn't have a permanent cover. You had just a, 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 a screw on top. Okay, regardless, that's why I mentioned that. And again, you will see in the final line of the Gemara, you'll understand the question how to read that final line. I know them too well. All right, says the Gemara, Ve'od. It's a very interesting. Right. Rashi says you just enhance it with the lahut. I think Jack had a similar suggestion to you yesterday. That and Jack, Jack, if anything, was saying that it already does smell. I, I imagine it does. Um, uh, I, I'll go a step further. I, I, the issue here is is not so much um, the getting the stuff inside of it. Remember, it's that you might come to fix it. Or, or to finish it. So I don't know that that distinction, even if you were right, is really going to help us in this context. Says the Gemara, but I have a further question. Uh, not only do I, number one, have a question from the Mishnah, I have a question from Ma'aseh Shehaya. Ve'od, and furthermore, Ha'rava Baravada, Ve'ravin Baravada, these two sons of Ravada, De'amre Tervayu, they both reported, they testified and remembered, Ki Havinan Be'rav Yehuda. When we were in the household of Rav Yehuda, or in the Midrash of Rav Yehuda, you know what he used to tell us? You know what he did tell us? He would break off and hand us piece by piece of a pleasant smelling item. Again, it was detached, as Rashi repeats to us again, before Shabbat, before Yom Tov, there's no issue of detaching it from the ground. That wasn't the issue. Uh, he would break them off in order for us to smell it. Now... Maybe you'll answer again. You'll say, no, that was when it was soft. It wasn't strong and hard. Our whole issue over here is only when it's strong and hard because it might come you to tikkun keli, to makeb patish rather. Their testimony, their recollection, these two rabbis, was that Rav Yehuda used to break it off, give it to us, even though... The item that he would give us was hazya, was raui, it was susceptible, it was appropriate. Lekateta means a handle, dinargeva hatsine, of certain uh, gardening utensils, which means to say it was strong enough, the items that he was giving us to smell, to be crafted into a handle. Clearly, we're dealing with something that's hard. What's that? Large branches. Large branches, large and strong branches has to be made clear as well. That's right, so what we're dealing with, large and strong branches, and nonetheless, you see it was permitted. Ah, that means that we have a double, a twofold question on this issue. We suggested entering the day that we're going to distingu distinguish. If it's something that's strong in terms of being a branch, then I'll have a rabbinic restriction. That's what we were talking about until now. You're not allowed to even smell from it because you might come to fix it. Uh, if it's something that's soft, well, then you don't have the issue. We have two explicit proofs that even when I'm dealing with something strong and hard, so to speak, the barrel, and certainly this case of Rav Yehuda with these branches, where they could be turned into, the rabbi said it explicitly, into a handle if you're doing it for the express purpose of getting to the food or smelling the item, it's permitted, answers the Gemara, There's no contradiction here because we can resolve, we can suggest that there's two opinions that are swirling and these two opinions whom we don't fully know 
We did see their opinions in another context in our Mishnah. Uh, these two opinions will somehow resolve this. Let's pause for a second and try to just take a step back and understand. Everything we're addressing today and yesterday is rabbinic restriction. That's what we're talking about. In terms of actually crafting the toothpick or the item, Asur, Minat Torah. It's not what I'm doing. I'm snapping it, I'm breaking in order to smell from it. Why should that be prohibited? Rabbis built a gate. Restriction. The Gezerah is, if we allow for this, you might come to the Isur from the Torah finishing the item. Okay, that being the case, it needs to be noted and made, made clear at this point that the only time we imagine and understand the rabbis making a Gezerah, making that restriction, is if their fear is, by doing this, you'll come to do a violation from the Torah, an Isur from the Torah. If the fear is you're going to come to a rabbinic restriction, We've learned this already in our Masechet more than once. We don't make gezerah ligzerah. The rabbis don't make gates for their own words. They make gates for the words of God, for the words of the Torah. That being the case, what we're about to see, what will emerge in the Gemara is this mahlok between Bileezer and the Hachamim effectively debates whether when I make even from the hard item, the toothpick, is that a violation from the Torah? If it's a violation from the Torah, so then I understand this restriction business. If it's only rabbinic in nature, why would I argue that it's a rabbinic in nature? The suggestion of Rashi, I know Jared's going to kill me on this one somehow. Rashi says it's a, it's it's kalahariyad, it's bishinui. To snap off in order to make a, a toothpick, that's not the regular way you would make a toothpick. You would craft it more finely or whatever. So that's not considered minha Torah. Okay, let's read these opinions and start. But again, now I've mapped out for you where we're going with this. The direction of the Gemara is Yes, you asked me a contradiction. The answer is it's dependent upon how I understand that makeb patish, how I understand whether you're actually violating an isur from the Torah when you snap off wood and use it as something in your mouth. So, absolutely within Kashin. Absolutely. Oh, specifically within Kashin. With, when you're dealing with Rakin, everybody agrees. It's mutar. It says the Gemara de Tanya, or at the very least, we saw Rav Yehuda told us at the top of the Amud. So, de Tanya, Rabili Ezer Omer. Now, this Beraita really records two Mahlokot. The first one is not pertinent to this, it's not relevant to this, but it's important nonetheless. Rabili Ezer Omer, Notel Adam Kesam Mishilefanav, Lahasot Bo Shinav, Hachamim Omrim Loyitol, Ela Me'evus Shel Behema. So first and foremost, there's a mahluk between Biyaz and Hachamim about what sorts of wood, we read about this in the Mishnah, you're allowed to use, period, on Yom Tov, even if, potentially, you're using it for firewood, even if. In other words, the question is, is the wood prepared or is it mukseh? The statement initially of Rabili Ezer is, as long as you have a kesam, you have slivers of wood out there, that's prepared for Yom Tov, it's, it's on your mind, you have it prepared. The statement alternatively of Rabili Ezer is, no, 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 it needs to be from Evu Behema. it needs to be that it was prepared to be eaten by an animal. If it wasn't to be eaten by an animal, you have a problem of mukseh, we say it's out of, mind, out of sight, out of mind. Our first issue, not our issue for right now, we learned about that in the Mishnah, here, Vishavin, they both agree, Shiloyik Temenu. They both, Rabbi Eliezer and Chachamim, agree that when I take that kesam, that sliver of wood, I should not and may not snap it, break it. If you broke it with the purpose of using it as a toothpick, oh my goodness, that's going to be a problem. Dear, um, dear God, this is going to be a situation where there's an isur. What's that? To smell. To smell. To smell. Don't forget. To smell. But over here, we know we're trembling. We know this is asur. But the question is, what level of isur? By the way, you could use it for something else. What we mentioned yesterday. I don't know, some sort of key, some sort of entrance to the room, an old school door. Door stopper as well, I would imagine. Yes? 
yes, if it's an actual keli in that respect. Bishogeg, Bishabbat, Hayab Hatat, Bimezid, Biom Tob, Sofeget Arbaim. The statement goes as follows. Uh, if it's Bishogeg on Shabbat, your Hayab, Korban Hatat, which is another way of saying it's Asur from the Torah. And as you did it accidentally, you bring a Korban Hatat, that's the standard of Korban from the Torah that you do in a time of accidental action. Bimezid beyom tob, sofig literally means you absorb. Arba'im means 40, it means 39 lashes. It's the way we talk, the way the Torah talks, which is another way of saying a violation from the Torah. If you violate Nisur on Yom Tob, you don't get skila like you do on Shabbat, you get lashes for doing so. This is a fancy way, is telling us if you broke off a sliver of wood with the purpose of creating a utensil, it's a violation from the Torah. We now understand before the Gemara even articulates it for us. Rabbi Eliezer is the opinion who would say that you can't break it off even to smell from it. Why not? Because if I'm doing it to smell from it, even though that's permitted from the Torah, I might come, Rabbi Eliezer will say, to do an isur from the Torah. Hachamim disagree with the Eliezer and they argue that this is only an Isumit Rabbanan. It's a rabbinic violation. If it's a rabbinic violation, the Gemara will now flesh it out for us. According to the Hachamim, we don't build gates for a rabbinic violation. Says the Gemara, then flashes it out and it says, again, Rabbi Eliezer who says, if I did the breaking, the snapping of the sliver in order to create a utensil, it's a violation from the Torah over here, meaning if you're doing it to smell from it, there's a rabbinic restriction. Hachamim, who alternatively argue that over there, meaning when I'm doing it to create a doorstop, to create a door opener, to create a toothpick, it's a, only a rabbinic violation. In turn, we're not going to build a, a rabbinic restriction for a rabbinic restriction. Uh, that, to a certain extent, the Gemara will continue and conclude, but let's pause for a second, reflect, and take a look at Tosafot, who brings us in another direction. I told you you were going to get annoyed about no. this. I told is, you the reason is already. That, is, is that no, no. Rashi on the left-hand side, that's what I, I... I knew it's a Jared question right here. You're going to get me on this and you're not going to accept it. Rashi on the left-hand side, right, right across from where we're learning, about four or five lines down, it says, Eno ela mishum shivut. Rashi says, Deketima tikun kil aharyadhu velo tikun me'alya. He says, crafting a door stopper, a door opener, a toothpick, whatever it is, when you do it by snapping wood, that's not a real kitikun keli. I know, I told you. That's not a... That's okay. right. It needs to be from Makib Patish. Again, Mahloket. Maybe you'll fall out with Rabbi Kabod, you know, but according to the Hachamim, it's only rabbinic in nature because it's Kalahayat. It's not a regular way of fixing a utensil, which would be by crafting it. All right, that being the case, that's the Maskana then for all intents and purposes at this point in the Gemara. Tosafot on the right hand side brings a whole different direction which is very appropriate for this sugya, as it brings up several interesting points as they deal with this. So if you take a look at the right-hand side in Tosafot, we'll quickly read you know, where they're bringing us with this. Ki havinan berav vechule. If you recall, that was the line in the Gemara where the two sons of Rav Ada attested to the fact that when they were in the household of the Midrash of Rav Yehuda, he used to, on Yom Tov, break it off and say, oh, smell this. 
even though he was doing it from a big and strong piece of wood. You see, there's a permissibility when it comes even to strong uh, pieces of wood. That was the angle of the Gemara. And we explained in turn, according to the Hachamim, the mainstream opinion, it's permitted to break it. Tosafot. Umayere. Tosafot first catches us up to date in the Gemara. And it's, the case is, over there, when they were with Rav Yehuda, lehariah, to smell from it. Kid Masik, as the Gemara concludes, desavar kerabbanan. His opinion, Rav Yehuda, was like the Hachamim, whose, uh, whose opinion in turn is, that when it comes to smelling and breaking the wood or the fine-smelling item in order to smell from it, it's mutar. There's no rabbinic restriction. Now that they summarize the Gemara very, very briefly for us, they now question the prevalent halakha and minhag that each of us are familiar with as well and probably would not have thought about in this sugya. The question says Tosafo when it's Motza'e Shabbat, Saturday night, which is Yom Tob. We do have Dalai even then, but we don't do Bissamim. Every Saturday night we make a Berachan Bissamim. There's no Bissamim. Why not, says Tosafot? Maybe Mishum Shemeyiktom. Maybe the reason is, listen, when it's a Saturday night, generally speaking, we walk around the Knis, we give out Hadassim. There's no fear, Shabbat is over, that you're going to break it, even if it was strong, quote-unquote, right? And smell from it, there's no fear, because Shabbat's over. Maybe the reason when it's Shabbat, which is going into Yom Tob, we don't do Bissamim, is Shemeyiktom. We're getting there, we're getting there. Give it a second. No, no, according to the Gemara, maybe that's the reason why. Right. Says Tosafot, you can't argue the issue is because you might break it. We just said, our Gemara told us, you're allowed to break it if you express purpose. I don't care if it's Hadassim, which are for sure permitted. Even if it's, I don't know, cinnamon, it's still going to be permitted. That's what our Gemara told us. We don't have such a fear. According to Rav who followed the opinion of Hachamim. So that's the first angle, said Tosafot, of explaining this minhag. Can't, doesn't, doesn't stand water. Says Tosafot, I don't understand. Why aren't we doing Besamim? Says Tosafot, question? That's what I said. We even do, I, so that's why I said cinnamon. Uh, cinnamon is strong. I, I'm a, and I imagine there are others, unfortunately, I, I'm not a Bissamim guy. You know, I don't, I don't know my uh, perfumes and things like that. But I imagine there's other strong pieces of wood. So I said there must be reeds of some sort. Okay. Vegam. And now, just, just parenthetically, Tosafot now takes us in all different directions. You understand that? In other words, Tosafot brought this up in the context of our sugya, probably because people uh, hypothesized, people believed that that's the reason we don't do it. So it can't be the reason. So then what is the reason? So Tosafot, and I'll take 20 seconds to remind you about this, Tosafot's methodology uh, throughout, and they are very consistent with this, is if there's a minhag that's pre- prevalent, and it's not explicit in the Gemara, it has sources in tradition that are proper sources. In other words, Tosafot perhaps should at this point say, oh, change the minhag, we should start saying, absolutely not. No It has to be a reason. What's the reason? They'll dig instead of changing always. Tosafot 
וכשחל יום טוב במוצאי שבת, אז אין האש מתחיל לשרוף ולהסריח, ולקח לו מברכינן, says תוספות, maybe the reason alternatively, although no explicit גמרא on this, we did see it referenced in Rashi in Sanhedrin, Daf Memhe zone, the Kabbalistic sources, the mystical sources talk about this, I can't, unfortunately, really explain this to you, but apparently there's a notion that the fire of Gehinam, defined accordingly, is, um, is, is turned off to a certain extent on Shabbat. And as a result, when it comes to Mozai Shabbat, they're trying to alleviate souls uh, from the pressure of that fire, which will now be burning. Again, I'm not fully explaining because I don't fully understand. But what I can say is there is such a notion. Maybe that's why we smell the besamim in order to calm our souls at that time. And therefore, if it's Shabbat, which is going into Yom Tov, well, the fire, so to speak, is not getting stoked yet. Says Tosafot, I can't accept it. You know why I can't accept it? Says, says, Deha gambi Yom Tov, shovet. Says if the reason is because on Yom Tov the fire is, is, is subsided, then how come on every Motzei Yom Tov? When it's not Shabbat, it's the end of Pesach. How come you don't do Bissamim and Havdalah? We don't. So if the whole purpose over here you tell me is because when it's Shabbat and Yom Tov, the fire is still, still subsided, defined accordingly. Uh, that being the case, it means Yom Tov has a subsided fire. It means every Motzei Yom Tov I should be making a Berachan Besamim, which I don't. Strike two. Vigam and Lefaresh furthermore says to us, don't explain. This is what Charles was referring to us earlier. Uh, the, the Gemara and talked about something called a Nishama Yetera. Uh, literally translated as a, a, an extra soul, an enhanced soul. We'll have to define what that means in a moment as well as we can. In turn, the understanding of, of, of the Rishonim is the reason we do, and this is going to be the lingering and, and major opinion, why do we smell the Samim Motei Shabbat at all? It's because we lost our extra soul which was imparted to us on Shabbat. Says to Safot, well, that being the case, We'll have to define accordingly what it means an extra soul, an elevated, more spiritual presence within ourselves on Shabbat. Maybe that's what happened over here. Motzei Shabbat, uh, generally speaking, I lost my neshama yetera. Motzei Shabbat, going into Yom Tov, well, you didn't lose your neshama yetera, it's still going to be Yom Tov. Same question. Then how come on Yom Tov, when you get to Motzei Yom Tov, you're not making beracha besamim if you have your neshama yetera. Again, says to Sofot, Vegamen lefaresh lehadim avarchinana besamim Motzei Shabbat mishum nefesh yetera she'avad. This may be because you lost that extra soul, that enhanced uh, ability. Umeriach besamim, and that's why you're smelling the, um, the besamim. Umiyashiv da'ato alav, in order to give yourself a complacency, in order to give yourself a minuhata nefesh, a calm, uh, a presence of, of soul. Maybe that's the reason why when it's Saturday night going into Yom Tov, you don't have to smell it. It's inappropriate because you have your Neshama Yitera. Then why would it be that on a regular Motzei Yom Tov, you're not making Berachah Besamim either? In short, if you're going to detract and subtract, we don't understand why is it that you make the Berachan Motzei Shabbat, 
and you don't when it's Motzei Shabbat going into Yom Tov. Says Tosafot, Viyesh Lomar Dele Olam Taamad Mavarchinalum Besamim Motzei Shabbat Have Mishum Neshama Yitera. Says Tosafot, first and foremost, this is the source. You know, I have class, for example, on recording where I talk about Besamim. This is the source in the Rishonim. This is the primary source that the reason we do Besamim and it's generally the consensus on Motzei Shabbat. Keep in mind, the Gemara never tells us why we do so. Is Neshama Yitera. This is what Charles was mentioning earlier. Neshama uh, Yitera again. The Gemara and Daftetzayin already referred to this. We have such a concept in Talmud. It's not a uh, late rabbinic novelty. There is such a concept. So it's Saturday night, a general Saturday night, because I lost that spiritual status. Hang tight. Un- underst- underst- but we can't argue that way. You remember the reason? Because then on Yom Tob, when you leave Yom Tob, how come you're not making Barakam Besamim? What's the idea in the most simple sense of smelling it? Well, the same way if a person faints physically in some way or mentally, you'd give them smelling salt in order to revive them. The understanding is there's a certain pleasantry spiritually in some way or fashion why smells. There's a whole conversation to be had about that, but that's the suggestion. Okay, so Tosafot, first things first, that's the opinion we're sticking with. The reason you smell besamim, make the berachah, is because of neshama yitera. Ubi yom tov, lekad neshama yitera. Okay, and Tosafot furthermore suggests when it comes to yom tov, there is no quote-unquote enhanced, uh, broadened neshama. Wait a second, if that's the case, we're a little bit confused over here because then you haven't explained to me when it's Motzei Shabbat going into Yom Tov. Why do you make the better? Answers to Safot, Kevan di Yeshlo Maachalim Hashuvim Vetobim. Says Tosafot, it, it, it is a little bit initially, it, it puts a smile on your face, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to rationalize it a little bit. Tosafot goes like this. This is their suggestion. When it comes to Shabbat, you have Neshama Yetera. When it comes to Yom Tov, no Neshama Yetera. As a result, we understand Shabbat, Motei Shabbat, Bissamim. Motei Yom Tov, no Bissamim. That much I think we understand, right? We can accept, can accept that. Why? Back to square one. Why when it's Motei Shabbat, Going into Yom Tov, is there no Berachan Besamim, says Tosafot, because you are able to and do um, compensate in another way, which means to say, whereas, and there's a lot to be, so is Besamim to a certain extent, whereas we're understanding, and there's a lot to be said for this in, in a mystical and philosophical way, where we're understanding a spiritual connectedness to a, spirit, to a, a physical smell, uh, so too says Tosafot, we can understand it through food. You and I, I'm sorry, I don't generally understand food to be such. Food is not something that enhances my spirit, unfortunately, my spiritual wherewithal. We're supposed to, and it's not only about a physical indulgence, it's about getting closer to God and others through food. The suggestion of Tosafot in the concluding line is, every Motzai is Shabbat in order to enhance our Neshama Yitera and kind of keep that spiritual feel with us, so we put some fine fragrance to our nose. We smell something and it continues that spiritual feel through a physical involvement. When it comes to... Indeed, there's plenty to be said about it, but yes, that's the way Rabbeinu Bahaye and others. Indeed, in beautiful. In, in other words, the, the suggestion in turn is with smell and by extension with food, I can extend and, and feel the, the continued presence of that spiritual feature which I had on Shabbat onto a weekday. When it comes to Yom Tov afterwards, I don't need to is the word. It's not because my, quote, spiritual capacity is the same. It's rather because I'm going to have a fine meal. You're making havdalah and then you're going straight into the se'udah. 
I'll further this just very briefly by telling you everything fits very neatly with Andaf Tetzayin in Masechet Betzah, Rashi's interpretation to Neshama Yetera, period. Says Rashi, what is Neshama Yetera? Yes, it's going to stay mysterious and numinous for us even after his interpretation. But Rashi brings it very down to layman's terms and understanding. Says Rashi, what Neshama Yetera is the capability to have a loose, a, a, a loose physical ability to consume more food. That's how Rashi says it. Rashi Andav Tetzayin says, what is Nish? I mean, that's the way we say it. I don't think Rashi says it like that. And it was the ability to, maybe that's the way Rav Kippur says it, right? No, it's the ability to loosen your belt on Shabbat and as a result, eat more, you know, there's this legend, it's not what we're working with, that you can eat more on Shabbat and not gain weight. I'm the first proof against the legend. But what I can tell you is that, that, that the understanding of Rashi is, and there's a lot to be said for that as well, Rashi is defining the words neshama yetera, which we think of per- properly as spiritual, says Rashi. How does the spiritual manifest itself? How do you see it and feel it? The ability to eat more. Uh, in turn, just to, to cap it off in Tosafot, but that's the no, no. But interesting. Which might be connected to that as well. I got you. Interesting point. You're gonna do it only later. You you have dalas initially. It's an interesting point. It's a very interesting question of Alan. Alan says, "What about Saudar Vaid? What people call Milavim Malka? Very good question. No, really, very good question. Again, I imagine the explanation would be that's that's later removed. It also has less 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 uh, definitive uh, features in the Gemara. There's only one Gemara with regards to that. Was that always the Minha? Now that's an important, that's, that's an important point. Um, Eli suggests something a little bit different. Eli suggested uh, that maybe there's, uh, when it comes, and this is the way Ran articulates it in Masech Pesachim, if I remember correctly. He says maybe Yom Tov is something in between. In other words, on the one hand, understand what Yom Tov is. Certain Melachot are permitted on Yom Tov. So it's not the same as Shabbat in terms of spiritual dimension. That's why you're not going to make the Berachah B'Samim Amotei Yom Tov. It's not the same looseness of soul because after all, you are doing some Melachah, you're cooking food, you're doing this, you're doing that, whatever. Alternatively, when I go from Shabbat into Yom Tov, it's a little looser. It's not that I went from spiritual and then I dropped directly down. It's that I went from 100% to, I don't know, 75%. I have Melachot which are permitted. The ironic in-between status of Yom Tov, where certain melachot are permitted and other ones aren't, is maybe the answer, the solution to Tosafot's question, right? That's the way Ran says it. That's, that's, Ran's, that's Ran's, Ran and Eli's suggestion to turn over here. You did. You did in your own words. Listen to the recording. All right, we'll continue and conclude the Gemara tomorrow.